Good evening, sports fans. This is Garrison Talk Sports here on Anchor. And guys, a lot of news to cover today in the world of sports, so let's get to it. Starting in the college football world as Mike Leach has signed a five-year extension to remain at Washington State University until 2022. The deal also includes a $750,000 bonus contingent on him remaining coach through the 2020 season. Future looks bright for the Cougs as a result. And let me just say this, I am thrilled that uh, we were able to get a deal done with him. To all the naysayers out there who are crying about losing in the Apple Cup, yeah, it stings. But in the end, I'd much rather average close to 10 wins a season than worry about the Apple Cup trophy. It sounds like yeah, the, the way the program has been trending the last couple of years, people should be really excited about this. We have a chance to win 10 games this year. We won, a, we won 10 last year. And Coach Leach's recruiting class coming in is one of the better ones we've seen. He's got a great quarterback coming in who's in the Elite 11. And we've got a solid defense. It sounds like, uh, right now at least, Alex Grinch is staying put for now. And this team is returning a lot of youthful talent next year as well. So the, the future looks bright for Washington State University. I am thrilled that Mike Leach is remaining coach at Washington State. And he sounds excited about it too. So thank goodness we got this deal done. I also think it's smart that the Cougs threw in that $750,000 bonus uh, just to, you know, entice him to stay till at least the 2020 season. This deal, uh, it sounds like, increases his yearly salary to $3.75 million, which puts him in the top, top four, I believe, of Pac-12 coaches. So a uh, good deal on both ends, and go Cougs. Now, guys, moving on to the NBA, the Boston Celtics, now at 26-7 and on the season, defeated the Indiana Pacers, who are now 17-14 and in exciting fashion, 112-111. to Kyrie Irving led the way with 30 points and 4 assists. Al Horford almost had a triple-double with 14 points, 10 rebounds, and 9 assists. Jason Tatum added 16 points, and Terry Rozier, the unsung hero, uh, led, uh, one, sealed the game with the steal and the score. It was very clutch play, if, if any of you guys saw that. That's what ended up being the deciding factor on the Pacers' end. Victor Oladipo continues to thrive in Indiana with 38 points in the losing effort. Demonis Sabonis had 18.7 boards and continues to have success in Indiana. It's interesting of noting that they were both former Thunder players and are now getting a chance to really show their stuff in a new town. Elsewhere, the Houston Rockets have now won 13 straight games after their win over the Utah Jazz. Uh, they Eric Gordon went off with 33 points in the winning effort. Clint Capella exploded for 24 points and 20 rebounds. Let me tell you, Chris Paul and James Harden are going to make that guy rich. Uh, speaking of James Harden, he continues his great season with 26 points, 6 assists, and 6 rebounds. And Chris Paul had a near triple-double with 18 points, 10 assists, and 9 rebounds. So, stopping for just a second, Houston looks scary good right now, but can they win when it counts? That's the question to me. It seems like whenever we get to crunch time, you know, deep in the playoffs or around playoff time in general it seems like they shrink up from the bright lights and just haven't been able to push past that 
you know, second, that ceiling that they've been uh, bamboozled with in the past. Maybe Chris Paul adds an element that gets them past that ceiling. Who knows? He hasn't gotten past that ceiling either in his time with the LA Clippers when they were loaded with talent. Um, again, me personally, I, I wouldn't want to play Houston in the playoffs, but then again, the West is loaded with talented teams. So it's going to be, it's going to be a dogfight in the Western conference when it gets to playoff time. Uh, moving on, Oklahoma city defeated the Denver nuggets 95 to 94, and it improves to 15 and 15 on the season. So they get back to that 500 record mark eerily similar start to the Cleveland's 20 and 19 start a few years ago that team would go on to win the nba finals russell westbrook exploded for 38 points nine boards and six assists in the win however scary stat here paul george and carmelo anthony combined for 14 points total it's a very scary sign if you ask me they have not been able to figure out you know the offense as far as you know those three playing together yes i understand the whole well you know one night this guy's gonna go off and the next night he could go off it doesn't matter as long as we win well i feel like you guys should be combining for a little bit more than 14 points total you look at paul george he has the talent to lead a franchise by himself you look at carmelo anthony and his years in new york he should be averaging you know, 20 by himself. I don't care who he's playing with. He should be averaging around that 20 point mark. And I understand that he's older and he's moved past his prime, but he can still be putting up those kinds of numbers. How can they not play well? How could they not have figured something out yet? We're 30 games in. I mentioned the Cleveland start, you know, in 39 games. So... These next 10 games couldn't be really the difference maker here. All-star break, you know, maybe they have time after the all-star break. Who knows? But Oklahoma City has to start figuring some things out at least and putting together, you know, a blueprint for how they are going to succeed when it comes to playoff time. Uh, Elsewhere, the San Antonio Spurs continue their hot stretch as they defeated the L.A. Clippers, who sit at 11-18, by the way. 109-91, LaMarcus Aldridge led the way with 18 points and 9 boards, and Kawhi Leonard saw just 16 minutes of action tonight as he continues to recover and uh, get up to game speed from that quad injury suffered in the offseason. It's a good thing to see him back and at least start to put some games together, start to get a rhythm together. But the Spurs, are, I'm sure, are monitoring him closely. What's going on, Garrison Talk Sports? Uh, great to see another sports channel or sports podcast on here. Just wanted to call and give my two cents about the... Fizdale firing, I I was just about to upload a podcast about it, but I think it's very unfortunate for him. Uh, For all accounts that I've heard, he is a great coach, but I don't know what they were doing there. But yeah, man, great to, I was, you know, listening to some of your earlier podcasts, so I'm definitely going to favorite it and be looking out for more of your content. So keep doing what you're doing, and I'll see you soon. That call-in was from Gabe the Great. Thank you, Gabe, for that call-in. And I am sorry I just now saw that call-in. I thought 
Anchor would notify me when, you know, people uh, gave com- call-ins. I'm, I'm notified when people comment on, you know, my segments, but apparently not call-ins. So that David Fisdale move for Memphis, they sit at 9-21 and 21 on the season. And it just, apparently, <laughs> it appears to have you know, just backfired altogether. I don't think David Fisdale would have necessarily had the Grizzlies in playoff contention. However, maybe they would have been a tad more cohesive as a unit. Uh, I understand they've been dealing with uh, injury, the injury bug, namely Mike Conley as he uh, recovers from Achilles soreness and what have you. But that to that roster, there's no reason you know that roster can't be within the top 12 at least again 9 and 21 on the season i think personally think david fisdale uh, obviously he still wishes he was coaching right now but if i'm him i'm personally happy to get out of that situation in memphis if reports are that they're actually looking to trade mark gasol as well from depending on the offer so uh, if i if i'm mark gasol i want out of there too memphis we're going to be seeing them in complete rebuild mode going forward. So again, Gabe, sorry I didn't see this calling until now. I really appreciate your feedback, and I have also favorited your station going forward. I hope to hear some more content from you going forward. Let's talk about the NFL. Uh, We saw a lot of good football, a lot of crazy scenarios play out over this weekend if you're a seahawk fan like me that was not a fun weekend and we'll touch back on that later in any case um let's take a look at the playoff picture now as it stands uh starting with the afc conference uh i here are my locks as far as who it looks like will have you know their uh, divisions locked up and who will have their spots in the playoffs secured uh, the New England Patriots sit at 11 and three. I have them as a lock. They defeated the Pittsburgh Steelers over the weekend, by the way, in very exciting fashion. That was a great game, and unfortunately for the Steelers, they got screwed by the NFL rulebook. And you know, the, to, I'm not saying that that that, that James or uh, Jesse James. Uh, that score should have counted. I'm not saying that. According to the NFL rulebook, it, they called it correctly. I'm saying the NFL rulebook, uh, they need to go in and change that rule. They really do. Because it's happened multiple times now. And when you look at that, I really like the quote by Coach, uh, uh, former Indianapolis Colts coach, uh, Coach Dungy, what he said. In peewee football, middle school, flag, high school football, college football, that's a catch and a touchdown right there. So in every in every level of football, that's a catch except the NFL for some reason because they have to be different, because they have to be complicated with their rules. Who knows? In any case, I think that's a dumb rule and the Steelers got screwed by it. In any case, let's uh let's take a look at the wild card hunters, as I call them. Uh, there's plenty of teams who I think have a sh- good, pretty good shot at making these these playoffs, but they are going to have to play well in these coming weeks. And those teams are the Buffalo Bills sitting at eight and six, Kansas City Chiefs sitting at eight and six. They got a huge win over the San Diego Chargers to take the game with a one game lead in their division. Uh, the Baltimore Ravens improved to eight and six. The Tennessee Titans 
sit at 8-6 and six after losing to the San Francisco 49ers, who in my opinion have definitely founded their, their franchise quarterback going forward in Jimmy Garoppolo, or Garoppolo, excuse me. And finally, the uh, I still have these guys sitting on life support right now, uh, the San Diego, or wow, I keep calling them the San Diego Chargers. They're the LA Chargers now, excuse me. The LA Chargers, I have them sitting at 7-7, seven and seven, and they could still very well make the playoffs. They just have to, they really have to win out, and then they have to hope the Chiefs slip up, which they very well could in these final two weeks. If we take a look at the Kansas City Chiefs schedule in the next coming weeks, um, and I just scrolled past them, here they are. The Chiefs finish with the Miami Dolphins, and the Dolphins are pretty much mathematically eliminated. They sit at 6-8 and eight after the loss to the Buffalo Bills. And then the Chiefs also finish with the Broncos. Now, I'm definitely the Chiefs are definitely favored in these two games, but the way they've been playing the second half of the season, you don't know what you're going to get. They've won back-to-back games now, but they still have looked shaky at times. They dominated a Chargers team that had been hot at the moment. So who knows? Maybe the Chiefs are going to go into the playoffs having won four straight, uh, which has been a different scenario than we've seen in years past. So uh, who knows? Maybe the Chiefs are turning a leaf here. (laughs) We just don't know. That's the cool thing about this time of year when it comes to the NFL playoffs. Now, moving on to the NFC Conference, we have our locks with the Philadelphia Eagles sitting at 12 and 2, the the LA Rams at 10 and 4, Minnesota Vikings 11 and 3, and then I have the New Orleans Saints and Panthers both sitting at 10 and 4 right now. I understand that one of them will not uh, be a lock, but when all is said and done, that one of them will fall to a wild card or maybe miss the playoffs totally. Um in any case, I have them sitting there right now just because they both sit at 10-4, and four, uh, tied for the top of their division. As we go to the wildcard hunters, we have the Atlanta Falcons at 9-5, and five, the Cowboys at 8-6, Seahawks 8-6, Lions 8-6. A lot of 8-6 teams who still have a shot at the playoffs uh, in the next couple weeks. We're really going to figure some things out here. And... I'm just really excited to see who comes out on top. Now, continuing on about the uh, playoff picture discussion, to me, the division that still has some things to figure out has got to be the NFC South. When you look at the Saints, Panthers, both at 10-4, and four, and the Falcons uh, sitting, or third wheeling it right now at 9-5. and five. Falcons just picked up a win today against the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers Monday Night Football, where they defeated them 24 to 21 in the game. So they keep their playoff hopes alive, and they finish with those two teams. So they could very well still win their division. They finish uh, the season playing at New Orleans, which is this coming Sunday, Christmas Eve, and then uh, New Year's Eve. Uh, New Year's Eve, yeah, 31st of December, they play the Falcons in Atlanta. Or, excuse me, they play the Panthers in Atlanta at home. So, if they beat those two teams, they automatically win their division. That being said, if they lose to one of those teams, that brings us a whole new list, a whole new uh, list of scenarios that would have to play out. 
Uh, for instance, if the Saints won, they would have to, uh, next couple of weeks, let's see, if the Saints win, they would, ha they would get to finish out with the Buccaneers. And because I believe they hold the tie, they beat, they swept the Panthers, they would automatically get the tiebreaker. Uh, for Carolina, if we look at their scenario, were the, were they to win the next, or lose to the Falcons, it would, it would all ride on the Saints. Uh, if the Saints, you know, drop one here and there, uh, that means you know, they just they still hold that tiebreaker in their back pocket. So the Saints are sitting pretty right now, in my opinion. They've got that lock. Whereas the Panthers, they still have to ball out. They have to win next week um, to secure at least a wild card spot. And then if they beat the Falcons next week, they automatically are at least in consideration for uh, their division title. However, if the Saints win out as well, then they automatically get that tiebreaker. So a lot of scenarios can happen in that NFC South, and these next couple of weeks are going to decide it all. Also, the NFC North, uh, the Lions hold the destiny in their hand. They can make the wild card spot, and I really hope they do. Detroit could just use something. <laughs> That's not meant in an entirely negative way for Detroit. I just know they're down on their luck a lot. Next, they play the Bengals. Bengals are a solid team, but they're a team in upheaval right now. I hear Marvin Lewis. I hear rumblings that he will step away as head coach. Uh, second longest tenured head coach to Bill Belichick. Sorry for that notification. Apparently, Kobe just uh, delivered an emotional speech on ESPN. So I'll have to watch that later. Anyways, uh, the uh, they'll then finish with the Packers and have a chance to ice... Uh, finish at 10 and 6 if they win the next two games. So the Lions hold their destiny in their hands. The Packers are essentially eliminated. If I'm them, I sit Aaron Rodgers the next couple of weeks. Um, let's see here. Yeah, they play the Vikings next week, but I just might sit him if I'm being honest. I don't want to risk injuring him going forward. And you got to keep him healthy. Collarbones are not something you want to mess with, especially when you're paying, you know, talking about a guy who throws the ball 30 to 40 times a game. Um, <clears throat> so for me, the Packers are done as far as the playoff push is concerned. Tough way to go out losing, uh, having Rodgers come back, being very excited to have him come back, then having him come back and throw three interceptions in a losing effort to Carolina. <laughs> Alright guys, I've got another hot take for you. This hot take is not a fun one for me, as it involves my favorite team, but I think the Legion of Boom in Seattle is done. I think their day is done, and I think it's time for the Seattle Seahawks front office and organization as a whole to consider blowing up uh, the Legion of Boom. I think it's time to gut it and start looking for the future. In in retrospect, or in hind, hindsight's 2020, people will say, well, they should have, you know, traded guys while they were ahead and built for the future, so they were a little bit more of a balanced team. But hindsight's always 2020, and when you look at it, that that defense was phenomenal. How could you part with guys who 
got you to the Super Bowl twice, back-to-back. Had Seattle won that Super Bowl, we'd be talking about back-to-back Super Bowl champs with a chance at them going in for a three-peat, and the next thing we know we're talking about a Seattle dynasty. Obviously, it didn't turn out that way, and it's unfortunate that it didn't, but here we are now. We look at this roster from top to bottom. It's an extremely unbalanced one. It's an extremely top-heavy one, and this is why we're seeing results like we did this weekend with uh, the Los Angeles Rams destroying Seattle in Seattle, 42-7, to a recently historic place where teams don't do that. Teams don't go in and rush or run all over Seattle. Um, I don't know the exact stats, but Todd Gurley rushed for, I believe, 25. He rushed it 25 times, 150-plus yards, and three scores. I don't. I really don't remember the last time that happened in in Seattle. So as much as it pains me to say it, it's time to look forward to the future. I don't see this team making the playoffs this season. Uh, I I don't think we're going to beat Dallas the way they're trending right now. And if you look at this team from top to bottom, what would we do in the playoffs if we made it? Russell Wilson has been having to carry this team on his back. Literally, the sec- from the second half of the season on. You look at this defense and how banged up it is. Cam Chancellor's gone. Uh, Richard Sherman's gone. Cliff Averill, gone. Um, trying to- DeAndre Elliott, gone. It's unfortunate that it happened this way, but it's time to look forward to the future. Oh, Simon Jordan, gone. A rookie and the way that uh, this team is built now with aging guys who are constantly getting hurt week in week out it seems like we just can't rely on that anymore this defense isn't going to be the defense that's going to hold teams to 14 points a game and let the offense kind of putter along at its own pace, and we hope something happens. It's not going to work anymore. And now defenses are keying in on Russell Wilson, saying these guys stink. Don't let him beat us. And that's what happened this weekend. The Rams got us. And if I'm the front office, here's what I do. I trade Richard Sherman because Achilles injuries are historically tough to get back from. And he plays at a position where it's kind of important that he's able to plant, run, jump effectively. And on top of that, he's getting up in years. He's been in the league seven years. Um, He's a great player. He's done a lot of great things here, and I don't discount that at all. But we we could get very good value for him still in the trade market, maybe some draft picks that we can use to build up. The next thing I would do is focus entirely on that offensive line in this upcoming draft. Russell Wilson, whom I think we should keep, is running for his life 80% of the offensive possession. And Russell can only do that for so long. One of these days, he's going to get caught and rolled up on, and next thing you know, we're without a mobile quarterback. And whoever we put back in there <laughs> would would be crucified.
while I'm on the subject, since we don't know how to use Jimmy Graham anymore, I might trade him. Uh, we have some great young pieces on defense, uh, namely uh, Frank Clark. Oh, another guy we can get rid of, Michael Bennett, please. I'm so sick of hearing about him. I'm so sick of hearing about his drama off the field and his fake social justice cry where it was proved that he was lying about the Las Vegas police. Please get rid of him. He's 32 years old. He, he's he been a great player in the past, but right now he just doesn't look the same as he does the, those years ago. Same can be said for uh, Richard Sherman. Those two... I would gladly cut ties, cut ties with, if we can keep Bobby Wagner, uh, Bobby Wagner, KJ Wright, uh, Earl Thomas, and Cam Chancellor. I think that would be the four that you could keep in Seattle, and then focus on the offensive line. If you keep those four, keep the young guns that we have. Focus on the offensive line. And then maybe go out and get a big, long, six foot five and up receiver that Russell Wilson can throw it to. If we want to keep Jimmy Graham, fine, but we need to keep forcing, force feeding him the ball in with those end zone fades. We just that's that's how he's going to be successful. And if I'm the Seahawks management, that's what I do. So. As tough as it me it is for me to say it, it's time to blow up the Legion of Boom, and uh, no pun intended, and it's time to you know end that talk. And if the sooner we do that, the sooner. And when I say we, I mean Seattle. Me as a fan of Seattle. And when Seattle does that, they can start building back up to a Super Bowl talented roster. But until then. We're going to keep seeing this trend. Russell Wilson running from his life. Older defensive players get banged up, and then we're left with a husk of a defense that once was. So I'll say it again. It's time to end the Legion of Boom in Seattle. Guys, Garrison from Garrison Talk Sports here. Thanks so much for listening to this episode. I really appreciate your uh, favorite on my channel, or if you haven't, I'd surely appreciate you favoriting my channel so I can uh, make future content for you and add, just add another listener to the program. Also, you can find my show on iTunes, uh, just Garrison Talk Sports. It's free, obviously. <laughs> you can find me on Google Play Music as well, Garrison Talk Sports, the podcast. And last but not least, you can find me on Facebook uh, for my sports page called You Pick It, spelled exactly like it sounds, You Pick It, where I'll post all the day's sporting news and the best games or the stories that I think are interesting, really. I'd love any comments, criticisms, debate, or debatable questions, any sort of feedback you have. I'd really appreciate it. And I'd love to see you, you know, whether it be here on Anchor or on my Facebook page. Uh, I'd, I'd really appreciate any feedback you can provide, any follow you'd feel free to give or you'd like to give, etc. Uh, this will all help me going forward as a uh, hopefully a future sports sportscaster. In any case, that's all for this episode of Garrison Talk Sports. You guys have a great rest of your Monday night. 
and I will see you guys going forward. Thanks again.